With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, Y Whales, wherever in the world you are today. Uh, as always, time zones is our number one problem. Um, but but today is kind of a really interesting conversation that we're going to have. And I've got uh, Rob from Burst IQ, and I've got uh, Ben Diggles uh, from the Constellation Network. And and this is really going to be, uh, again, a little bit of not talking too much about their individual companies, which is what we do, but more of a larger brainstorm around the differences between a public and kind of a private slash specialty-use blockchain. Um, and I think I, I encounter this all the time when doing consulting or, or talking through, uh, you know, kind of projects with people where they immediately raise their hand and the first thing is they're like, I have a project and I need to have my own chain. And 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 ninety nine percent of the time, my answer is no, no, you don't need your own chain. Um, but let's talk. Let's talk through kind of why you think you need your own chain, and and let's kind of evaluate the 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 issues there. Um, generally, what I hear from them is, you know, Ethereum doesn't work for them um, because of the cost, or or because you know some some reason. Um, and then I say, well, there's like fifty other chains that are relatively mature at this point, and they've never heard of them. <laughs> And so I think that that's, you know, for someone that uh, an entrepreneur that wants to enter the space, um, this is a really good opportunity to take two of, I think, some of the most mature chains uh, that are out there that are designed specifically for uh, commercial use. And I, I, I you know, say that uh, very, very deeply that commercial industrial use uh, blockchains um, that are actually in, in uh, effect today. So I really want to kind of go over and make sure that you guys understand who our guests are, why they're here, and, and really a little bit behind them. So Rob, if you wouldn't mind, give a, a quick background on yourself, and then a little bit of kind of the, the thesis behind Burst IQ and what you guys are doing today. Perfect. Thanks, Jay. So thanks for having me today, by the way. Uh, I'm Rob Lubeck. I'm the Chief Growth Officer at Burst IQ. Come from this very kind of uh, diverse background, everything from cybersecurity to real estate development, um, to uh, educational toys, and now ended up in the in the blockchain for healthcare world. So, um, I actually found I think I found my my eventual calling. It just took me a few states, few steps to get there. But Burst IQ, a um, little quick history of the company. We've been we were founded in fifteen. We've had an operational service since two thousand seventeen. And in essence, we have created a, a global data exchange network and we purpose built it from the ground up. We do use a lot of blockchain methodology, hence the reason why I'm on the call today. But we really focused on the unique requirements for healthcare and life sciences related data um, as, as one of the most heavily regulated and, and compliance driven uh, data sources. Um, we are storing personal identifying information, personal health information, which is which is very restrictive how it gets used and accessed. And, and so we actually built our chain from the ground up. One of the biggest differences that we did is we actually uh, designed it purposely to store data on the chain and the blocks themselves. And it really kind of gives us a unique aspect of, of how we can define data ownership, both single and multi-party owners, um, how the sharing is done at a very granular level, and also kind of create a, a kind of a, a unique mechanism for where as, as we are trying to combine more diverse data sets on the round, around the, the country and world to create more holistic or, or really longitudinal views of, of patient and health data um, with, the, with the ultimate goal of really 
putting more control over the healthcare data to the patient level um, to allow them to eventually monetize their data, share their data, and and we really control how their data is used and used both for research and, and profit. Love that, love that. And, and and just if you had to give a, a number one reason why uh, somebody that wanted to develop in the space or develop on your chain would not use, I'm, I'm not going to pick on multiple chains here, would not use Ethereum or Solana. Um, why, why is Burst IQ kind of that one reason a little bit better? Well, there's, a, I mean, one of them is really the privacy. It's, I mean, we, we need to support the whole HIPAA uh, kind of compliance and it gets really hard to, to do that um, on those kind of traditional blockchain methodologies. And that's why, we really had to go to a private permission chain to abide by all the all the regulations around that, um, and just to be able to control that data um, in, a, in a much more private manner. Love it, love it, um, Benjamin. Over to you. Uh, you know, sa- same question. A little bit of background, and, and then a little bit of uh, you know behind Constellation Network. Uh, why does it exist? Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to give some love to Burst IQ, I agree with that methodology. Meet the legacy where they're at, trying versus trying to get the legacy to speed up and meet you know these Web three ecosystems where they're at, which, as we all know, is like you know going to Mordor and back. So happy to be here with you, Rob. <laughs> Thanks for uh, having me, Jay. Uh, Benjamin Diggles. I'm one of the co-founders of Constellation Network. I I drive all of our BD efforts, including federal enterprise, academia, and so forth. Um, you know, we've been in business for uh, since 2017, so we're almost at our five-year anniversary, which we always say keep them alive till they're five, and so we're almost there, which is very exciting. Um, for those that don't know what Constellation Network is, we are um, a very robust ecosystem. We are our own blockchain network built on a directed acyclic graph or a graph approach, much similar to IOTA and others in the space. Um, We're open source, uh, and we really wanted to be an outfit that encouraged not only individuals, but business to build for the future when we think about bridging Web 2 to Web 3. So that's why I mentioned the legacy. My background largely is in enterprise. I come from companies like WebTrends and Oracle. I've been in big data and enterprise for over 20 years. Um, and so I got into this space thinking that you know blockchain was just everybody was the star of their own movie and wanted to see if it was actually a real thing. And so I've been very hell-bent on the ad- uh, adoption of these types of technologies. And Constellation is very unique because, and I think we're a hand to fit the glove with a burst IQ, so I think we should talk a little bit deeper after this call, um, is we're really focused around the processing and validating of third-party data. That's the utility of our network. We're very data-focused. And being a graph-based technology, we're able to hit um, really infinite transactions, which I can explain at some point if somebody wanted to you know, hear that piece. But the point being is that we built a fee-less network that's very scalable, um, very decentralized, and it's for the people. But with that, we also work with enterprise. Um, and so our, our biggest, I guess, claim to fame on the enterprise side, we've been kind of the name for federal government and DOD for the last three years. And I can share some of those details because I think it's apropos to this conversation. Um, but we have our own consensus algorithm called proof of reputable observation, which is essentially machine learning at the edge, allowing us to take in as much good and bad data as possible. And the big difference between us and, say, in Ethereum is that they use smart contracting technology and we use microservices and state channels. Um, and those are terms that a lot of folks don't really hear very often. But a state channel essentially allows us to process and validate third-party data 
um, from multiple blockchains or any data source. Doesn't matter if it's a weather sensor or whatever. And so companies are coming to us to build applications on top of our core network that will be predicated on the validation and incentivization of data. So that's why I feel like Burst IQ and Constellation are two companies, in two peas in a pod, if you will. So happy to be here, Jay. Thanks for having yeah. us. <clears throat> Love it, and and this is uh, the first two time these these gentlemen have ever met, um, you know, and I think probably bringing these companies together because j- traditionally, like I said, you know, a lot of the blockchains um, we're all very inclusive, but we you know kind of get off into our our own worlds and our own theses and and, and work projects, and so I'm really excited to kind of have this conversation today. <clears throat> And by the way, anyone that's listening that really wants to go more in depth with either uh, Burst IQ or Constellation, we do have uh, individual podcasts that we've done with both uh, uh, Mr. Diggles and, and Rob over here. So uh, those links will be down in the, the comments below. Um, let's go ahead and start off with, I think the really big one is um, when when I have people that come in for consulting or say, hey, I'd like to start a project. Um, traditionally, the, the conversation is going to start with one of two chains. It's going to start with with either Ethereum uh, or lately I'm hearing a lot more people talk about Solana and, and you'll get a few dots and, and avalanches kind of mixed in there. But these are relatively large chains, very large projects um, that are under rapid developments. And the thing that I would you know kind of like to, to say um, and get a little bit of your feedback, and I'll start with you, Ben, is, um, you know, Solana is, what, maybe 24 months old, uh, Avalanche Dot, you know, maybe a, a few months older than that. What does it take, you know, both of you guys have been around since about 2017-ish, you know, uh, uh, 2015, 2017. What does it take to kind of get those cycles of maturity um, to get to that year five that you guys you guys are at right now? Well, cycles of maturity can be uh, an interesting way to frame it, Um, you know, because we are in the Wild West right now, right? And everybody is kind of blazing a new trail as each day comes upon us. And that makes it wildly exciting, but also just like, I feel like everybody has sweaty palms every 24 hours in Web3 because it's like, what's going to happen next? And I think we all got even sweatier palms after the Luna crash, right? (laughs) Like now, now everybody's looking over their shoulder wondering like, what's the next thing to fall? Um, and unfortunately I feel like ideally it would be led by regulation and compliance. Right. And that's what would really cause a company to be mature. And I guess that's the only reason I point that out is that constellation is a very regulated, uh, you know, U S based company that has been playing by the rules as much as possible. Um, that said, and this is not profound by any stretch is, you know, the marketing and momentum, very traditional that we see in web two or any other industry is key to really hitting that maturity. There's some amazing projects out there that nobody even knows existed that have better technology than Solana, right? And But the problem is nobody yep. knows they exist. And so uh, as we've seen is having some of those strategic key investors early on is what gets people on the radar. And that's when you start to see people glom onto a vision of possibility. Um, that said, you know, when you start looking at some of these ecosystems like Solana that have bursted up to, what, $80 billion in, in a market cap, um, you know, as they say, more money, more problems, right? There's stuff that comes with that. You start to get a lot more scrutinized. So I believe that just being able to have that wherewithal to be consistent and uh, persevere through a lot of that is what really tests a lot of these these companies. And I mean, EOS, look at those guys. We don't hear their name anymore. And that was like the big one, right? It was like, everybody thought, okay, it's EOS, everybody. And they even had that delegate, interesting kind of uh, governance model. I, I hate to laugh, but it was just at the time where I'm like, oh no, so you just gave this group $4 billion in such a net new industry and we don't hear about them anymore. So you can kind of compare and contrast good practice 
practices from a Solana and EOS and really tell that story. Yeah, you know the the question I have for you is you you've probably gone through the evolutionary cycles of of constellation, meaning the major changes. The you know, hey, we we were totally wrong on this. Let's redo this thing. And it seems like when I talk to you or or kind of you know interact with with constellation, you guys are in the refinement mode. You're 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 fixing things. You're you're evolving things. Um, but you're not you know like tearing things down and you know going through what Solana is going through right now which is major um, major upgrades major changes you know kind of almost every you know 30 days yeah we talked about this on our last call which was the it's a bet I call it the enterprise bet of uh, first to market innovation versus technical debt and I've seen companies that have had to refactor something like a redis versus Postgres database model completely migrating their system and they're out of business because the effort was too big right and we're seeing that now where folks are so uh, I guess, gold rush mindset that it's like, oh, we're just going to launch all of this stuff on, you know, Solana or, or an Ethereum smart contract. And, you know, it's kind of the shoot first, ask questions later. But it makes sense when there's like literally billions of dollars just kind of floating around for those that are bold enough to grab it. That said, it comes at a cost and there's going to be a pound of flesh. And Constellation has always stayed true to our vision of building a very stable and consistent uh, model, even though it's taken us much longer than some of these others. Um, we're very proud of what we've built, right? We, we can't really have a lot of these holes and stuff when we're working with, say, the Department of Defense, and it keeps us honest. Um, but at the same time, unfortunately, we don't move as quickly as some of these, I guess, community members and folks that are at the throws want us to. So that's the, the, the pullback. Yeah. And, you know, both of you guys are are in highly regulated, you know, or, or work with highly regulated industries and, and highly regulated clients. Rob, you know, jumping over to you and, and what you've accomplished with, with Burst IQ, um, you know, healthcare is, I, I hear it all the time, you know, and people believe that, you know, hey, I've, I've got a, you know, this machine, um, this machine's data should go on the blockchain. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to write this over onto Ethereum and we're going to hash it and it'll be super private and, you know, they'll all be keys. Um, but, but that doesn't really work in practice because unless you know who wrote that data, there's no searchable searchability. You know, you can't, you know, mix that in with everything else. Uh, cause at some point, whether it's hashed or perfectly protected, um, regulators don't, don't, you know, <laughs> look kindly on like, well, theoretically no one should ever be able to get to that. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I mean, data, I mean, data security and, and the healthcare world is getting so much visibility right now with with all the attacks and ransomware. I mean, it's, I mean, I, I've heard a number. I don't know if it's true, but they claim that that healthcare data is seven times more valuable than financial data right now. Wow. For wow. yeah, um, and so it, I mean, so it's a really scary endeavor. I mean, every day we're reading about a new breach and a new hack, and and you know, part of the problem is you know, so healthcare number one has to be broken down to a lot of different kind of sub verticals. But if you look at where all these hacks are being done and mostly in the provider networks and the hospitals and the doctor's offices and, and, and part of the problem is, is the legacy EMRs or EHR systems that they're still fighting this kind of open system. And, and so, I mean, that, that's kind of the, one of the issues that we're seeing today. Um, and to go back to your question earlier, Jay, you know, a what I mean, a mature company is a bit of an oxymoron, I think, in in in, in the whole blockchain <laughs> world. Um, and I, I completely completely agree, Ben. It is the wild west, and and one of the things that we've tried to kind of really focus on is is stay as focused as possible. It's it's so easy to try to branch out from where where we are living and breathing. We have all these other industries coming to us, and we're happy to talk to them, but. Um, I think part of our success is we've stayed hyper-focused on, on both the health, healthcare and, and life sciences world. 
which gives us kind of a unique perspective and, and allows us to really focus all of our changes and features to, to accommodate their needs both today and the future. You know, we're, we're actually moving to a graph database in the next rev, Ben, so it's interesting to hear um, that as well. And I mean, that's the, the correlates, the, the tangential connections um, play such an important role in healthcare that that's that's been one of our, you know, I, I feel like it, we, although we say hyper-focus, that's one of our kind of bigger shifts. Now, granted, on the, on the customer perspective, I don't think they're they're just going to see all these cool new features without kind of understanding what it actually took to shift our entire entire network to that. Um, but that's kind of where I feel like it's been important for us for the longevity of being now in business for whatever seven years plus, um, and, and that's what's kind of kept us here today. Perfect. You know, and I, I'm going to go ahead and throw out the, the the next comment statement. You know, kind of topic, uh, which is centralization versus decentralization. And um, you know, I'm going to guess that both of you guys have a, a core team, uh, still most likely of founders involved and a core dev team that are working on this day to day. That's backed by most likely a global community of a decentralized, you know, governance token or, or a variety of ways that you guys make sure to engage your community um, and also kind of involved. Uh, you know, outside devs and, and prospective clients. Am I, am I correct on, on both ends there? Yeah, I, yeah, guys? absolutely. I mean, I guess maybe I can touch on that is, you know, it's a, the, the topic of decentralization in a company is uh, in web three is never done. Right. And I think that's kind of the ethos is that hey, you're never done. You're never fully decentralized. There's always going to be a gotcha. There's always going to be something. Um, so it's like, how do you get as decentralized as possible? Um, knowing that, uh, there's always going to be something that somebody's going to scrutinize that may not be considered decentralized. To us, it's extremely important. Um, that's always, you know, I want to be a footnote in a, a wiki article someday and nobody knows who I am. I want this thing to be completely owned by the community, by the people, and we're making as many steps as possible. We're continually over um, redoing and inviting new people into our governance board. It's currently going over a big overhaul now that our new mainnet and public uh, network is out there. Um, and this also is extremely important when we talk about the SEC, right? Like, um, as, as we've seen, the SEC actually does take decentralization very serious because it's one of the things that we all tout. And if they find out that you're not doing that, then you get in hot water. It's not very profound. And so I see that as, you know, as sad as it sounds, <laughs> kind of the guiding light is the SEC. You want to first make sure that you keep them very happy. And then there's the community because everybody can see the ledger. They can see who's holding what tokens and whatnot. And anything that gets transferred, even within our ecosystem, sure enough, we have admins and governance folks that perk up and they're like, hey, we need to have an answer for this because we're not sure what's going on here so that we're all unified. That said, it's tough, right? Like, you know, that's why I love everybody's all kind of geeked out over DAOs. I know that, you know, Y Whales is, is really focused on the DAO model, but I'm sure as you've seen, uh, you know, Jay, decentralized business workflow has its own <laughs> drawbacks, right? I, I call it like Lord of the Flies, you know, getting people together, coming up with their own rules outside of the mothership. And everybody has a kind of a balanced vote, whoever passes the conch shell. <laughs> um, so anyway, I, I sort of cringe when folks are just hexed on decentralization, but through the lens of SEC as well as token holders and network stability and fidelity, I completely understand. Yeah, and, and I completely agree with you. You know, the, the one thing I hear from so many founders, so many VCs, and, and it's consistent is the rush to decentralization is the cause of failure for a, a large number of projects in and around Web3. Um, and I think that, that one of those things that's for the first time, you know, in history, 
tech has the ability to be decentralized. And it's a really cool concept from a DAO perspective, you know, which, which YWales is very involved in, uh, you guys are as well, um, or just from a development standpoint of which you can have an d- entire dev team that's out there. So decentralized is kind of one of those words that, that can be used a variety of different ways. Um, but, but I really do believe that the work that both of you guys are doing um, is, is being done by a centralized team, which is, which is correct. That's what you want. Um, you guys have a very clear vision. You're in a highly regulated um, asset classes that, that you guys are, are messing with and not messing with, engaging with. Um, and, and so, and so, and so Rob, you know, when, when you're kind of dealing with that same deal, the regulation, like you have to have valid answers and you have to have a valid roadmap uh, for where you're going, correct? Yeah. And, and we don't, I mean, the burst IQ, you know, decentralization in healthcare does not really work today. And so we're, we're, I mean, we're kind of a unique model there. So we still under HIPAA, we still need to manage and control our own nodes for our entire network and no matter where they're located. So in essence, we, we have some decentralization features, but I would actually consider us more of a centralized uh, network today. Now that will change over time um, as we're able to deploy that. Um, but you're right. I mean, it's because we are so heavy regu- heavily regulated Nothing on our nothing can become public. I mean, it's it's a very different model than than Ben, and we, and we do very different things, which which makes sense. Um, and that's why ours is going to look and act very differently than most of the other kind of blockchain methodologies out there, because of the strict privacy regulations that we have to follow to the T and cannot vary in any way, shape, or form. Yeah, and this is the point I'd really like to bring up for, for anyone listening about the biggest difference between Web 2 and Web 3. is In, in Web 2, the, the, the case of decentralization isn't even a real option. Um, if, if one day that, you know, Rob and, and Ben say, you know what, our, our highest goal right now is decentralization. These, these chains are mature, they are, fu- they are functioning, everything's fine, and, and, and as uh, Ben said, hey, I just want to be a footnote, now we want to go to true decentralization, it's, it's a relatively straightforward process to make that happen. If, if uh, you know, suddenly Amazon S3 uh, decided that they were going to go full decentralization and they want to put this out there, it, it's not even something that was possible. They couldn't do it if they tried. It, it goes entirely against a Web2 business model, the SaaS business model to have this. And so the point that I'd like to make, and I'd love for you guys to feel free to comment on this, um, we can always decentralize. But you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube. And the work that you guys are doing right now as a, as a dev team, and you're you know five five to seven years into this right now, you've got another decade plus of growth. I mean, we haven't even hit you know a, a couple you know what five hundred million uh, users. We haven't even got there. Um, you know, let's let's hit a billion users on a chain, any chain, and then worry about decentralizing and, and being able to back things off. Because until then, it's it's voting on on directions and everything else is is really not. That core focus, especially when the Department of Defense, I'm sure, has some very like, you know, core uh, integrations that they need to have happen. And so, if those can't happen, then they're just not going to use it, correct? Yeah, and you know, I before I touch on that, I just want to touch on you know what Rob was mentioning around healthcare data and how we're different as companies. Um, you know, I once heard, and who knows if this is even real, Rob, you would know if this is just some hearsay, but that, you know, every American has something like 300 plus copies of their medical records. You know, every time you go in somewhere, it gets copied. The only people that don't have them are the actual patients, right? I don't have my medical records, but it's sitting all these places. The point being is while a protocol or, you know, a, a core ecosystem like a Constellation or Solana wants to be as decentralized as possible, um, that's not in the cards for every 
a application that's built on top of it, right? And largely because, you know, as we mentioned before he came on the call, it's going to be easier to meet legacy where they're at than try to get legacy to come into this full-on Web3 decentralized world. And even then, that's not necessarily the best, you know, situation. And, and touching on the DoD, um, you know, they were very curious about this. This is a topic that I've talked at length with, with many people, because I don't know if you guys saw that the Pentagon put out a report in June of this year talking about how the security threats of blockchains, right? I don't know if you saw this. I can send out the article so we can include it in the show because it's very interesting. And it caused a huge stir in the federal space. And seeing that I'm sort of the face of blockchain for federal, I had to like meet with a million people and kind of talk them off the ledge to explain to them, no, this was a study on public blockchains. This was a study on Ethereum and rollups and all these different, you know, patches and stuff and how they're laden with security holes and whatnot. Um, but they didn't really take into account, you know, permissioned blockchains or private blockchains, which there's a little nuance between those two words, but for, you know, all intents and purposes, we'll just call them permissioned. Um, and that's what's beautiful about this is, you know, the government can grab Constellation's network. You know, I delivered a package this last week. They now have the keys, the documentation to everything, and they can deploy a network and we would have no idea it exists. No idea. They can deploy as many as they want and they can do it in a way that it's fee-less. They don't have to have a token. Um, they just have to apply as many nodes required for the validation and the orchestration of the security and bam, they're off to the races. Um, and that's very interesting to them that they have full ownership. Um, but it also breaks the procurement process because they're used to buying SaaS-based solutions, license solutions, things where they pay a vendor for a software license agreement or an SLA in which they, you know, utilize it and everybody's happy. This is tough because it's a discipline in which they orchestrate their infrastructure saying, okay, instead of having a central server, and I always call it the dragon, you're going to need a flock of birds and they all live in the same environment. So instead of paying a thousand bucks for the, you know, a month for the dragon, you're now paying you know, $10 for a uh, hundred of these uh, flock of birds, right? And so it's a lot of education on this. And they, they uh, now understand um, the importance of these uh, permission blockchain and how it works and that they don't need to put, you know, mission command and missile launch data on a public ledger that's being validated by somebody's basement, you know, <laughs> node in Russia. So I can certainly talk on details of this, but it is the hot button within the federal government. And the last thing I'll say is that, you know, what drives me nuts is that no folks are really looking at the maturity model, the 2.5 and the web two to three, that it's like, oh, we're going to go from crawl to run. And it's like, no. Um, and we're seeing this like with what Rob had mentioned is that, yes, they're going to find ways to be more decentralized and more secure as they warm up. But there's a lot of work to bringing people into just step one. So if you come at them with like, hey, we're going to step 10, uh, you know, it's a moot point. You're you're done. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I, I'm just going to go ahead and pivot that right over to Rob because he referenced <laughs> a number of things you guys are doing as well. What, what's your feelings on on kind of, uh, you know, this rush to decentralization and everything? Yeah, I mean, I it's once again, I think people reacting to this market uh, somewhat not rationally, and and the hot thing then becomes a hot thing for everybody. And I don't think a lot of these companies are kind of thinking through the the future ramifications of some of these decisions. And you're right, um, I love the analogy. You can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, and I think we're going to see a lot of that today. I think there's going to be a lot of companies that are going to this road because they because they think it's the it's the hot thing to do, and it's not the right thing to do today. Um, it might be in the future when things change or evolve, or a portion of what we're seeing today or some aspects of what we're seeing today. Um, but it's, you know, it's 
that I think a lot of people are going to make a lot of mistakes. And granted, there'll be a lot of learning. There's a big learning curve as we still kind of go through maturity of a lot of these different things. And, and, and both company, both, both the, the companies producing the blockchains and the companies utilizing the blockchain solutions, I think there's been learning curves on both of those significantly. Um, you know, the one thing that, that, that changes our world, you know, we actually deal with governance, not on a chain. I mean, we have some governance on a chain level, but the real governance is defined independently by each of our different clients. So it could be organizational compliance and, and governance that are all can be very different depending on which client we're dealing with or which country they're located in. And, and that also just makes jumping into this decentralization in our world um, a, a management nightmare. Um, to be honest, if, if it even po- physically possible sometimes. Yeah, and one of the things I love uh, from from our interview with Burst IQ that I found just absolutely fascinating is because you guys do control your nodes, and there's an absolute reason why you have to, like for for a variety of you know compliance and regulatory reasons. But but there are some uh, healthcare providers that that are regulated to say that you your data cannot leave this country, this state. There's 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 re- still regional like remember where we came from, like punch cards and and like a centralized deposit. And now for all of us that say we believe in blockchain, we believe in a distributed ledger, we have to take the time and steps to get these industries there. And so one of the things I felt was so cool about what you guys have done is because you control your nodes um, and, you know, everything's there. They can see what, you know, everyone can see what you're doing, but you can take a specific client and say, hey, you can't leave the Australia. Like yeah. this data has to be here because it's a regulatory thing. And if we can't do that, then they're just going to stay with their with their traditional SaaS provider and and Web two and ignore this entire revolution. And I think that what you're doing is providing a, a step stopgap uh, to get them comfortable. Did I describe that correctly? No, that was exactly right. I mean, yeah, Australia was a perfect example. That's one of the countries that that requires that. There's a lot of countries in the Middle East that have that same kind of requirement. And yes, we we can deploy those nodes. Uh, suffice the, the the laws of that country, but all the nodes are still connected, so the network still looks like it's it's seamless and one. And and the other thing where we're seeing, you know, the United States, of course, we've got GDPR, which was great, it's straightforward, but now we have all these different privacy laws that are popping up on a statewide level. And in essence, there might even be unless fe- unless there's becomes a federal mandate, there could even be. St- even state requirements that are going to affect the privacy of of the data within that as well, which um, I feel could be a Pandora's box. Um, I don't know what they, where this is all going to come out to me. And hopefully we just have one set of rules um, or you hope you abide by the most stringent rules that covers everybody else. But there's some weird intricacies coming in these different states or around data privacy. So that's the other thing that's got a big kind of question mark and, and potential red flag of where this is going to head. Now, now I'm a you know by trade I'm I'm a kind of a CIO big data guy, and so I'm gonna but go to the professional here, Diggles on big data. What we're kind of talking about, where there's specialized chains interacting with other chains that are, are you know kind of uh, we, we have to we have to provide this level of data access, this level of data security, this level of you know redundancy. This is just standard questions that that any big company would ask for, and. What we're what we're kind of describing here with these public versus private or, or permissions changes you're talking about is there's going to be lots of chains. There's no one chain to rule them all. And the idea that there could be a company out there that that wants to use both Burst IQ, Constellation Network, and Ethereum is 100% going to be happening in the future for different reasons. Mm-hmm. But Ben, I'd love to hear your kind of synopsis on on what a multi-chain universe looks like. 
Yeah, you know, I think going back to us using microservices as a way um, and state channels to validate and process third-party data um, and legacy data, you know, we're very proud to say we were the world's first L0 protocol. Um, And I usually explain that as like, say, Ethereum's ecosystem is a city and they've got their roads and, you know, their different uh, trains and planes and all that stuff. We're like the subway system underneath that connects the different ecosystems. Um, Naturally having our own, but our city is based on data, right? Um, Instead of like a Frankfurt that's finance or so forth, right? And so um, with that, you know, that's one of the big reasons we won the the DOD contract is we're super open. Like I'll I'll partner with anybody. We want to work with anybody. We feel the pie is big enough for interoperability of all these different solutions. You know, you talking about um, Constellation, Burst IQ, and Ethereum, you know, you can use proof of authority on top of Burst IQ and then use us for the processing and validated of, of, of bulk data. Everybody can have a piece in this, right? Of course, how you orchestrate that is up for discussion. Um, but in theory, uh, it, it all is there, right? And you may have heard the term, you know, the blockchain trilemma. You know, that's kind of become like this term. It was like kind of back in the, you you know, mid 2000s, the splinter net, I don't know, <laughs> these dorky digital transformation terms, but the trilemma is really around, you know, networks that can handle security, scalability, and speed, like the three S's. Um, and we're very proud that, you know, we're solving a lot of that or have solved some of that. And we're going to start to see blockchain be, in my opinion, largely a commodity, which means that this is why I love, you know, smart contracts or the idea of code is law is like, all right, well, once we do look at some of these compliance measures or regulations that may be states or country specific, you can build compliance into a state channel or a smart contract to enforce how that data is being consumed and validated and ingested, right? Um, So to me, I think that's the future is that a lot of this technology is going to start to play the cops or the lawyers and um, in a very effective way. And to me, that's the most exciting thing is the automation of what can happen through data validation, data sharing, and data security. Um, but when we talk about a topic of like, t- you know, toothpaste leaving the tube, I have, I call like this last 25 years and probably the next 10 as the great data leak. This is a time that in the future of the history books, years down the road, we'll look back and be like, holy cow, the internet came out and people had no idea the value of their digital footprint and all of these behemoths took massive advantage of it and there's nothing these folks could do. And now, like Rob was saying, with these regulations that are hitting at the state level, you start to see companies freak out because it's like, we're going to go out of business because this is how our business is completely predicated. And and that's going to be an ugly time, right? Um, we don't want to get into a totalitarian w- world where so much data is being protected. So hopefully we can find a happy medium. But it's sad to me that we've seen so much abuse and corruption around the usage of data. It's baffling that people still use Facebook to this day, even though there's documentaries out there saying, hey, they're screwing you. And it's like, oh, that's cool. I'm going to share this on Instagram. It's like, it's still Facebook. And then TikTok is another one that is enough to make you lose your mind. So um, I think that what Rob is doing and what we're seeing in healthcare is going to be the true unsung heroes of what matters to people around data. If you tell them, hey, you know, your digital footprint on your web, people are like, I don't care. I don't care about privacy. Did you know you can make an additional $1,500 a month on your medical data? Because right now you're, it's getting used by third parties that you don't even know about. People will be like, wait a minute, that's my money, right? And it's going to take some of those discipline shifts for us to see people wake up to what's happening. And so you've got a, a, a big 
big task ahead of you, Rob, but I've, I guess I've got mine on my side too. I think we, yeah, I think, I think we both do. And to, and to continue from there, um, um, thanks, Ben. So you talked about multiple chains and interacting. I 100% agree with you. That's going to be the future. Um, we're already seeing a lot of use cases where, hey, we don't want to leave Ethereum, and can we use some of your some of your uh, kind of sharing features on top of that? And we can absolutely run on top of the uh, as a layer two on top of other layer one protocols. Um, the other thing is, you know, Burst IQ. We're not a crypto. Co- we're we're not a crypto company, um, and so. We are already seeing use cases and go back to your point, Ben, where yes, where patients can start monetizing their data. We're gonna to need to connect to a, a, some other kind of payment rail, whether it's ETH or some others to facilitate that payment. Now we can still kind of keep that data private and control the smart contracts on our platform, but then send it to a, a, a payment platform to, to facilitate the actual compensation down to that patient level. So. You know, as we say as a company, you know, rising tide rises all ships. Um, there's a lot of room for a lot of blockchains and, and a lot of different features. And and so, yes, 100 percent. We need to have as much interoperability with these chains as possible for to, to enable our future. I love that. You know, so, so, and this is where, you know, uh, Ben, I'm going to push on you a little bit more just because I'm sure you have the stats uh, more in your head than, than I do. But we've seen this, this massive da- data migration before. Um, when suddenly, you know, uh, Dropbox and, and, and Google Drive existed and they said, hey, you can have two, two gigabytes uh, up, in the, up in the cloud. And that turned into, you know, terabytes um, and, and is, is kind of grown to, to quite larger. We saw, you know, I remember in the days of like, going and opening that drawer for all these hard drives as my personal stuff and migrating all this data up to the cloud. And it's it's lived there since. And we also saw the same thing with companies. And I, I have it today in the building that I own and that I'm in right now. In the basement is a data recovery center for a, a relatively large bank. Um, it's physically here it, and, and they haven't moved it. And, and they're preparing to make that migration again here in 2022 up finally and into the cloud. So it takes a lot of time for some of these industries to get comfortable with it. They don't own the hardware. They don't own that 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 raw metal um, that, that the drives are running onto. But as soon as they kind of get the team in place and they have the use case of, of offloading it, they never come back. It, no one's, I'm never going to download, you know, all of, all of my data onto, you know, a drive and say, this is my, my primary storage. I may back it up that way. Um, but primarily, this is how I'm going to use it going forward. You know, Ben, what, what does it even look like? Um, I mean, again, we're, we're not mature enough with the technology, but what does that migration even look like? It's, it's decades of time. Well, I mean, I hope not, but at the same time, based off of the past, and that's what I love about this, this movement, Web3, is that we actually have playbooks we can look at in, in the last 30 years that inform some of the human characteristics and behaviors of how we're going to deal with what I consider the biggest kind of esoteric Uh, point of decentralization is the desire for control, right? Like you go into the DOD, you go into a bank and say, hey, we're going to take your control over this thing and we're going to put it into the cloud. They're like, ooh, that makes me really nervous. Hey, guess what? Now we're going to decentralize it across all these different clouds. They're like, no, wait a minute. No, how quickly can I get to it? Where, you know, and so that ownership or that desire to feel control is a discipline shift that is going to take time, right? That's not something we could just brute force with technology and it's going to change the disciplines in human, you know, but to your point, like about how we've seen some of this before, um, the move to decentralization of web three, I can it very similar to the move to the cloud, right? That's, if you want to look at like a case study of how this is going to go, that's a pretty good blueprint. I know it's not, you know, exact, but 
Um, we saw it with early internet, right? Everybody remembers intranets, right? Remember saying that term and be like, what the hell is an intranet? Are you saying it right? And it's like, well, no, it's like your own internet, but it's inside your business and you control who it logs on and how that's essentially a permission blockchain in many ways, but you configure it in a way where you don't have the same sort of modalities of control. Um, and so it's not fully decentralized, but it's much more resilient and uh, effective for what it's supposed to do than, um, than the current centralized approach. And when we think about the, like you're talking about the hard drives and us moving data around and people getting like, wow, I'm getting these notifications that I'm running out of space for Dropbox all the time. I even say one of the great indicators in human shifts with that at the consumer level was when the iPhone came out. I can't remember if it was iPhone 10 or 11. And they offered one that was like, 500 megs or something like a gig, so very small amount because they assumed everything you're doing is on the cloud. Like, and they're like, Hey, how do we cut the cost and get people away from these things? Much like let's kill the CD ROM in most of these computers because we're now in the digital download world. Um, and so, um, you know, it's not, uh, I'm not going to name names of large hosting providers, but you can probably paint a picture is that it's not profound, but also a great business model that they, with bulk data, have no problem taking it in. But in order for you to access it, it costs money. <laughs> um, and that can be very costly and so forth. And so with Constellation, and this isn't just unique to us, but we don't store any of the data on the blockchain. That's much different than us than Burst IQ. Um, and it makes complete sense with Burst IQ considering their model. With us, it doesn't make sense. We just validate it, we hash it, um, and we don't really care where it's stored. But that is a security threat. And so what we're seeing is a huge uptick. Like our DOD contract, we had to go in with a data provider called Kinemy. They do what is called encrypted sharding. Um, which just to give a quick dirty is like you throw down a piece of mirror, it shards into a bunch of pieces. And let's say that's a file of data. Each of those pieces are representative of the whole, much like kind of bit tor torrent type stuff. And then when you need to re reconcile it, you can, and they're all versioned and all that sort of stuff. But same thing with like the graph and all of us moving kind of into a more robust IPFS model that uh, data storage is a whole other ball of wax in a decentralized way beyond just the validation and governance of the communication protocols on blockchain. So, um, yeah, I think it's very fascinating. But the intranet is the one thing I wanted to add to this conversation that helps people's brains be like, oh, we've gone through this before in a certain version, and now this is a much bigger one that's being governed by a stronger decentralized network, but it's still an intranet. <laughs> Yeah, and, and Rob, that's one of your big, you know, one of the big advantages of Burst IQ is, is it's a lot cheaper to utilize your chain to store this data and everything else than if you were using, you know, a chain plus IPFS plus, you know, plus, 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 plus add-on. You've kind of said, here's everything that's needed uh, in, this, in this industry. Um, and, you know, you've had some amazing success already. Yeah, I mean, it's pricing has been a big thing for, I mean, a big kind of differentiator for Burst IQ. And, you know, we it's... You know, everybody has the unique model. And one of the things that I think is tough for some of our clients is, is an unpredictable forecast financial model. And I mean, Ether, I mean, running on Ethereum network, for example, number one, how do you predict the number of transactions? And then how do you predict the ETH price based on the number of transactions and really budget accordingly? And, and so we wanted to, to make our, our model very differently and not transaction based, but actual kind of, per, we call it a life graph, which is a, a digital DNA of, of a person, place, or thing, the person being a patient, the thing being an IoT device. And, and so we just charge per month per life graph. And so take a patient, for example, 
they might have 10 or 100 data sources feeding into build that longitudinal life graph, but we're still going to charge for just that one life graph. So it just makes it really easy for our clients to understand our, our model and, and know how to project as they grow uh, the, their base. Yeah. And, and I mean, this is solving some big problems. I mean, I, I had to get a, an, an MRI for my neck the other day and they literally handed me a CD. <laughs> <laughs> Right. What what am I supposed to do with this? And they and they go, well, you have to go take this around to the different surgeons that are going to work on you. And I said, okay, but why can't you? You know, where does this exist? And and already I've lost it. Um, like it's gone, and 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 it's you know, but it exists in, in both these doctors' offices. So if I wanted to get it back, it's just the data is our is decentralized to the point it's useless at this point. Um, and and so we're actually talking about centralizing onto these chains. And I think there's we're also talking about some differences right now between constellation, which is a level zero, and, and burst IQ, which is a level one. And they're both solving two different problems, but but none of this. Um, could be done on, on Ethereum or Solana or any of these other big chains because I have yet to ever meet the, the CIO, CFO, CEO that goes, you know what I'd like to for us to do with our data? I want to make it more expensive. I want to make it slower. And I want, I want to make it more complicated for us to hire, to, to hire devs to be able to work with it. And, and so what you have is that either it can be something that I think, uh, Diggles, you said earlier, either it can be an easy transition for them to start using blockchain technology, or they're just going to continue to upgrade their Oracle servers and, and, and hide off in the, the corner because no one's ever going to approve you know, a 10,000% increase in their, in their data write, writing costs, not even reading costs, just writing the data to the cloud is going to cost that much more. Yeah, no, I, I, you know, I think it's a, a, it's, it's a fun time to be alive if you're into this nerdy tech, because, you know, as we were saying at the beginning, wild, wild west. And, um, and, and I like that. Right. And so I, I just think that like a lot of this stuff is going to kind of go away. I, what I say as far as like, we got to get more regulators in, you know, I like spending time with lawyers as much as I need a hole in the head, but at the same time, they're showing up right now. Like they're really leaning into this. I've never seen lawyers be so excited about a new movement in, in all my life. And so getting them involved in the building of these solutions as early as possible is the ace in the hole. And that's what we tell every project. If you're, it's not a bolt on, you absolutely have to figure out a way to build this stuff into your solution. Um, but you know, when I think about, uh, these ecosystems, they all have a place. Like I can look at Apple, look at Apple maps, look at Apple search. Have you ever fat fingered something in the app store? And it's just like, we can't find it. And all you did was add an S extra S. And it's like, you didn't have any recommendations, right? Cause their search is so terrible and they refuse to give the business over to, you know, the, the Google index. Uh, and that makes sense. Same with their maps. It's terrible. And, but they're really good at other things. And that's what I'd see. Like Ethereum is going to continue to attract and Solana is going to continue to attract outfits that are going to build based off the best of their capabilities, which they're vast in, right? That said, they're not a fit for anything. When we're talking about data, they're sort of left out in the rain because the cost of validating a microtransaction um, is often more than the value of the actual transaction itself. And that's the sweet spot, this new porous environment of being able to move micro investments, microservices, and microtransactions around in a meaningful way. Um, so with Constellation, we're a attracting companies that are really looking for like you know you'll hear it from jenny co they can't build what they're trying to do on another chain today who knows if there's something coming out again happy for competition but they're like well whether we like you guys or not you guys have the solution and the good news is they do like us but um to actually make this come for uh, come to fruition and 
we also see other uh, projects that are like, well, we looked at Constellation, but we thought Solana was a better fit for where we're at as a company. So that's how I see the world. Yeah, you know, and, and, and Rob, over on your side, you, you guys are, um, there's no real alternative, I mean, you know, to, to what you guys are doing. They can absolutely write their own contracts. They can hash their own data. They can do all sorts of things. You know, we can, we can do, we can replicate a lot of this over on, on Constellation or, or a variety of other, of other sources. But, you know, the, the conversation today that we're having is like, there are valid, lots of valid reasons for specialty chains and for there to be lots of specialty chains. And at some point we're going to see companies that are operating with exactly as Diggle said, uh, kind of hidden, uh, blockchains that they're just running privately. There's no public access. But the point is that we need that move to the to the blockchain ledger is what's most important right now here in that that point in time. Because um, I'm sure you have the same same uh, sales problem uh, that that a lot of people have, which is like people hear blockchain and they just hear all in their head they hear Bitcoin, they hear volatility, they hear you know chaos, and that's really the furthest thing from the data data services that you guys provide. Yeah, I totally agree. You know, you, you bring up a really good point. I mean, the beginning, you know, the beginning of my, of my Burst IQ journey, we wouldn't even use the word blockchain in a conversation because uh, they couldn't delineate between crypto and, and the back end kind of data support infrastructure. And we would lose them immediately. It's like, oh, I don't want to touch you with that with Paul. Um, we're, we're, it, there's still some of that. I mean, I think we're, we're, we're getting to a place where people understand the difference between what we do and, and, and the crypto side of things. Um, but there's still... You know, there's still so many misperceptions in the world. I mean, even even if you take Web three, I don't. I mean, if you, I think if you'd ask ten different people, you'd probably get uh, at least nine or ten different answers of what they think Web three is even today. And you've even got the confusion between Web three and three, and people don't really don't understand the intricacies between between those two. But you know, in the end, to your point, yeah. The, I mean, th there's going to be general chains, chains. There's going to be specialty chains. But the more data we can get on any one of those chains, the better off we're going to be. Because I think people and companies and and down to a, an individual personal level are going to start seeing the, the true benefits of what we're able to do today. What Web three is going to offer down to that kind of personal ownership and, and personal monetization and 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 personal control. But once again, it's like, yeah, every every bit of data that goes on on some form of chain, I think, is going to be beneficial to to our future and just one step forward to getting this to getting out of the wild west. <laughs> well, it's going to take a minute. It's going to take a minute. It's going to take a minute. Um, yeah. So, so bringing this bringing this into close, um, you know, which is kind of a, a couple of questions. I'm going to pose the same question to to you guys in a little different ways, um, Rob. When when someone is is evaluating, um, you know, do I need my own chain or not? You know, what what's kind of a, a couple ways that people should think? Because you know, you guys have spent seven years, you know, building a, a chain. Um, you know, you, there's a lot of there's a lot of chains out there today that you can do, and you know, but you can go spin up another chain. What would be kind of your your advice to someone that's um, before before they go uh, start that process and burn a couple million dollars, uh, you know, launching a new chain? Um, for for why just to kind of look at, at how to adapt to some of the existing ones out there. Yeah, and it's, I mean, you're right. Building building a chain right now, you're right. I mean, it's, it's a huge endeavor. It's it's extremely costly. It's very time-consuming. And, and, you know, it's, I think we're at a, I'll use the term maturity, though, even though it's, I use that lightly. It's still, we've got, we've got some pretty good maturity for some amazing solutions on blockchain today. I mean, track and trace your supply chain was, was, was I mean, non-crypto side was a great first use case that, that's now, Getting, gaining more and more momentum, and now we're we're seeing so many different applications across the universe around around what we can do with blockchain, especially on the business business world. And 
And I think, you know, we have learned so much. I mean, as you know, Constellation Us, we've been around enough where we have learned and evolved and pivoted based on, on knowledge and expertise and, wor and working with real clients that we just have a much more, uh, just a better solution than someone trying to build it from the scratch today. I mean, evolving is all about learning and making mistakes. And we've done that now for five or seven years where someone kind of going to build it is going to start all over in that process. And they're going to make a, a dish, probably some of the same mistakes, additional mistakes. And, 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 you know, we like to, we like to tell clients, it's like, you know, focus on what you do best, focus on that front end application or the solution that you're trying to, trying to build around data and let us handle the back end. And, and that's, that's kind of our pitch. It's like, a lot of the times, I mean, depending on, I mean, enterprise clients have the expertise, but we deal with it with startups as well that have kind of no expertise to do that. And just it's, it's makes pragmatic sense for them to to kind of bifurcate this and, and, and let an expert do on the stuff that they don't need to focus on and let them really focus on the front end and, and selling their solution. I, lo I love that that response and, and that advice as well. Um, ben, going going right over to you, kind of the same same question, um, and but I'm going to phrase it a little bit differently. And you only because you brought up Terra Luna earlier, which was a dedicated chain. Um, they did have EVM, you know, so the the Terra Luna you know model existed, but they were very finite, and and it was entirely you know structured around this this Luna you know Terra Luna stablecoin uh, thing, and so suddenly all that work that people put onto these. Uh, onto their DApps and onto that 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 Luna chain, um, because one DApp failed, um, it took everything down, and and so I'm going to go ahead and, and bet that you you've put in some time and energy and resources that there's no one thing um, that could that could take Constellation down, um, but but what is kind of the in that same aspect, you know, how do you guys look at data security and overall sta chain stability, which would go well beyond anyone trying to build their own chain. Yeah, I mean, again, using kind of examples from the past, which is a luxury we have right now, is if somebody was to approach you and say, I'm going to build my own database, we would all say, don't do that, right? Like, um, why would you build your own database when there's tried and true solutions out there that are both free and really expensive for you to dabble with? Um, I think that, yeah, the Luna stuff was tragic. I personally pulled out before because I was one of those too good to be true and I didn't understand it enough and nobody had answers for me of why it was too good to be true. So when it happened, I thought, okay, I wasn't crazy, which I felt good about. But I, again, I'm not trying to diminish Constellation or blockchain in general, but it is. It's really just a, a, an immutable database in many ways. And why would you build your own if there's solutions out there to help get you to that through that discovery process to make that decision? before just coming out of the gate. And I believe from the commodity perspective that we're going to see in a world that you're going to absorb data or communications. And it's almost like the early 2000s where people would transact higher if they saw a silly little lock at the end of the e-commerce funnel, right? Oh, it's secure. I saw the lock, right? But I do believe there is going to be a check mark at some point to say, hey, this is on a blockchain. And if it doesn't have that check mark, you just don't dabble with it because it could be corrupt or it could be duplicated or so forth. Um, so first off, learn from others, not profound. But then look at like what Amazon put out, what, three years ago, the blockchain as a service solution. And the reason they did this within their own ecosystem is like, if blockchain becomes a thing, at least they're going to be within our data management tools and utilizing this service within our, our wall garden. But that's a way to just like, hey, I'm just going to drag this down and I'm going to start messing around with it. I mean, I can spit up a database right now in a matter of minutes. And we want to get to a place where people can spin up a blockchain and start kicking the tires within a matter of minutes. You look at, uh, you know, Simba Chain, they have this great 
you know, a drag and drop canvas where you can start messing with smart contracts, whether they're Ethereum or, you know, or Stellar. I mean, it's really cool stuff out there. So I just think it's hubris and I've dealt with it my entire life working with engineers and developers. They're like, no, I can do better. And it's like, you're betting the farm on ego. So let's start there. Um, but at the same time, there is an ability to build your own. So I've seen small independent chains that are very robust and very cool for specific applications in which the, the vendor doesn't talk about blockchain at all. So, and the last thing I'll say is with, you know, um, the Web3, people not knowing what it is, I'm very thrilled that it's starting to now bleed into the commercial space. It's starting to become a vernacular. You see it on billboards. People are talking about it. Though I do think the individual is like, why the hell should I care? Why would I get involved in this? But like, I do a lot of newsletters because it allows me to passively shop without shopping, right? And so Scotch and Soda sends me a newsletter the other day. It's like, we're Web3. And I was like, holy cow, Like, wait a minute. This fashion company from Amsterdam is now Web3. And they had a little thing that said, what is Web3? And I clicked on it. And they had a whole FAQ section trying to explain a very esoteric topic. And I thought, oh, wow, it's, it's happening. So this is good for all of us, especially when we're trying to sell into the enterprise and the legacy that cannot decouple blockchain from Bitcoin, right? <laughs> and, it, and it's very true. And I think that that's one of the biggest things that we just, you know, as an industry and an asset class, you know, retail is fabulous. I, I love that we have so many entrepreneurs that are, that are joining the space. Uh, we, we speak to them every single week, but, but we got to have the big institutions um, get behind this. They ha we have to get rid of the, the archaic API networks uh, that exist and are very restrictive today. I mean, you're, you're um, you know, we're not going to dive too much into kind of owning your own data online here today, uh, but, but that's exactly what, what blockchain does. And that's what Burst IQ does for, for health records and, and medical data. Um, and Constellation, you guys are just doing for data in general uh, to allow it to be moved around these blockchains in, in a secure and, and, and regulated format if need be. Uh, if you don't care about the regulation, great. It, it makes it that much easier to, to move the data. Um, but, but really, I think that this has kind of been an amazing conversation around there's plenty of uses uh, for Ethereum, you know, native Ethereum. Uh, there's tons of uses for every other public blockchain of which anyone can, can log into, anyone can write any data that you want, um, and, and then you become the repository of where people need to search to go find that data. You know, coming back over to what we're, we've really been talking about today is um, very, very clear, you know, use cases. And I think Burst IQ, I love, I love picking on you a little bit, Rob, um, because it's, so, it's like, my data is here. And if someone says, I need my healthcare data, it should be something that's very easy to find. It's a repository that, regardless of what hospital, what part of the world you went to, it should be something that everyone can at least say, it should be somewhere on this chain because this is the, the chain for that data. It can be a variety of other places as long as it links back. And I think that's the biggest point is that Data should be free. It should be free flowing, but it should be searchable and findable, and not locked behind you know the, these walled gardens uh, of which the user has no ability to ever find it. Um, so, my last thing: any any closing thoughts uh, based on the conversation? I'll, I'll start with you, uh, uh, Ben. Uh, no, I, I mean, yeah, I'll say something. Heck, uh, but I mean, no, in the sense that I don't have anything bubbling up other than just my pure support for this, right? Like, I think what Rob had mentioned early on is just that, like, there's just, and I, I know we're beating a dead horse, so much education required, so much, you know, demystification of what this stuff is. And I'm so looking forward for us to get past that of people like, okay, 
I know what the internet is. I know what a database is. I know what cloud storage is. I know what blockchain is. Now, how do we focus on the configuration of this stuff, right? How do we really, and that's where I think a lot of the monies we're going to see coming into this is in the solutions integrator or the solution, you know, system integrator folks that are all kind of like foaming at the mouth and sitting on the, the throws waiting to see who's going to be the first to really create playbooks that they can take forth and sell this these types of solutions yeah. into environments they already have their teeth into. Um, so that's what I'm excited for. And we always say, you know, it's a marathon, not a race. We have to keep just putting one foot in front of the other and it will play out. Um, but also as, uh, you know, Hyperledger Fabric, the Brian gentleman said, you know, blockchain is a team sport. So I'm more than happy to collaborate with anyone that, you know, Y Whales wants to bring into our world and we'll, we'll do the same. And it's really great to be connected with you, Rob. Thanks for you too. And yeah, I mean, I don't have much to, to add to that. I just, it's, um, I, I, I love being on this ride. I wouldn't want to be any other place right now. And, and, um, Jay, I've also just loved to be a part of the, of the Y whales. It's, it's giving me exposure to and insights to a lot of things that I typically wouldn't get through my, through my normal, uh, daily occurrence, but no, I mean, it's, it is, it is a marathon. Um, I'm, I, I'm excited every day to kind of see what's next. Um, and where this is going to go and, and, and just happy to be here and, and happy to be invited to this podcast too. Jay. No, you, you guys are awesome. And I really appreciate this. And this is exactly one of the things that we want to continue doing. Education has to be a lifelong journey, especially in blockchain. Um, someone could have, you know, been an absolute expert, known everything there is, but if they haven't been in the space for the last six to 12 months, uh, everything's archaic. It, it changes so fast. And so I appreciate you guys coming on today, uh, really sharing not just the experiences of your own chains that you guys operate, uh, but really how they integrate with the rest of, of big data as they're starting to come on board. Um, real quick, last, last point, uh, uh, ben, where can people find you? Yeah, if they want to interact with you or Constellation. Yeah, ConstellationNetwork.io, and then we also have our um, our staking portal, which is Lattice L A T T I C E dot I S I S. Lattice is is the domain. We just launched two new uh, branded websites, which we're really excited about. So check them out, um, and then yeah, you can Google my name if you want to get a hold of me. <laughs> Fabulous, and Rob. Yeah, so it's uh, burstiq.com, B-U-R-S-T-I-Q.com. Um, my directly, rob.lubeck at burstiq.com as well. Love it, guys. Thanks so much. Don't go anywhere in Why Whales. Uh, this has been really a good in-depth discussion on why uh, you know specialty change exists, uh, where kind of data is going, and, and really kind of how to think about the overall ecosystem as it grows overall. So thank you guys so much, and we'll catch you guys next time. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbeck, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWhales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media. Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.